Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host on the road covering the team right now is Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who, of course, also writes for The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Another Canucks game day on the road, this time from Pittsburgh. Drancer is there. He was at Morning Skate. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. I'm dreading my travel day tomorrow, for the most part, to be honest with you. I've Fair got enough. a 5 a.m. departure through, through Charlotte to Buffalo. Ooh, so Charlotte uh, cover uh, the game. Charlotte not on Get the way, out. not between Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Last time I looked at him, no, map. not on the way. And <laughs> you know, we all know the weather situation is going to be dicey across North America this weekend. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, going to be an interesting twenty-four hours. Uh, I'm more looking past the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although, man, a, a Crosby versus. Ugh, the lotto line. Yeah, just do head it, man. Head-to-head matchup. You've, you, you've given in. You, you don't give in often, but you've given in on this one, and you're just going with the shorthand. And I commend you for that. Nah, it sucks. I'm probably, <laughs> I probably won't do it all the time, but every now and then. Anyway, um, the, <laughs> the matchup at the top end of these, the, these teams' lineups could be just absolutely scintillating tonight. And I'm really excited to watch how that plays out. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Another uh, interesting and fascinating road matchup here for the Vancouver Canucks. Lots to get into on the show today. Uh, we'll talk to Rob Rossi from The Athletic, of course, longtime uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, beat writer uh, at 1230. So we'll get the latest on him on the, on the Penguins season and uh, some of the interesting rumors and reports going around the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Ryan Clark from ESPN joins us at 1 o'clock, but as always, let's start off the show with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? Your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, January 11th, and of course, the headline, the Canucks look to continue their road winning streak against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you mentioned the matchup, the star power in this game, right, obviously with Sidney Crosby, what he's doing at his age, simply phenomenal. You go down the list of other stars still playing for the Penguins and still having a lot of success. You look at the Vancouver side, we've talked about it at length. That makes for a very, very entertaining matchup. But then, of course, there's the added layer of just the sheer volume of connections between the Vancouver Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Starting at the very top of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvine, down to the bench with Rick Tockett and Mike Yo, and then, of course, onto the ice with a variety of ex-Penguins. Just a, a big game for the organization, big game for the talent going, going at it on the ice. This is just uh, this is one that you have circled on your calendar, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of money on the board, one would think, tonight yes. in the Canucks locker room. Morning skate was like the most sociable morning skate I've ever seen. Like, both the Penguins bench at the start of Canucks, um, the Canucks skate, and then also the Canucks bench throughout, right? Just like players huddled about, um, chatting with, you know, not not even just the ex-Penguins, but some of the like, uh, Pittsburgh area Canucks, yep. 
lots of lots of close relationships, lots of familiarity, you know, and even support staff like uh, Alex Trinka, the, the Canucks head athletic trainer who came over from Pittsburgh this summer, uh, chatting with some of the Penguins megastars outside the Canucks locker room throughout morning skate. Like this was, a, you know, a very comfortable, a very familial um, morning skate relative to what you're used to seeing at the NHL level. And, you know, familiarity um, in sports breeds competition, breeds rivalry. Uh, you'd expect both teams to want this for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. besides the fact that the Canucks are looking to pad their lead atop the Pacific and the Penguins are life and death in, in a playoff race in the Metro. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as you said, there's there's like too many connections to count almost. You think you've listed them all and then you're like, oh, right, there's another one uh, that, uh, that, that binds these two organizations together what are you expecting this one to look like from a kind of like tactical on ice level tonight because I know you've been higher on the Penguins than their record indicates and there's certainly been stretches this season where they've kind of played up to that potential but as you said still kind of life and death uh, in the playoff race in the Eastern Conference right now yeah I mean honestly for me it's going to be the matchup at the very top to me that's what's most interesting you know the Penguins have dealt with some really weird stuff over the course of the season, there are games where they look old. They are old, right? I mean, that's just true. And yet, there have also been games where certainly Crosby in the top end of their lineup and Carlson, too, have been able to turn back the clock, you know, and and look like a really formidable side. I mean, they control play pretty well. Um, They have a positive goal differential. They went a month without scoring a power play goal. Like, it's just been sort (laughs) of a weird Penguin season. But yeah, after at, at the 82 game mark, I expect that they'll be comfortably ahead of the Islanders and comfortably ahead of the Washington Capitals. So I'm expecting better things from this Penguins team than we've seen to this point. And yet, you know, with all the rumors um, sort of filtering around some of their best players, you know, Jake Gensel, most notably from a Canucks perspective, I'm sure we'll get into that in the scuttlebutt section of the whiteboard, you know, I there's certainly a chance that they're not as good by the end of the year, which would obviously change any bullish predictions about, you know, how they're, how I expect them to finish. Uh, I do also just want to note, I mean, I know people are aware of what Crosby is doing, but 41 points in 39 games at age 36. And, you know, still he has yet to record a season in the NHL where he hasn't been at a point per game. And he's on track to keep that streak alive. Just absolutely phenomenal what he is doing, what he's done in his career. Always a treat when you get to watch Sidney Crosby play hockey. Yeah, as mentioned, okay, the broadsheet, this is a a perfect item to discuss today because it concerns the Canucks. It concerns the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Lots of reporting out there on Pending UFA, Pittsburgh Penguins winger Jake Gensel. I'll start with a report in ESPN from Emily Kaplan uh, writing a bit of a rumor roundup around the NHL right now. Here are some of the key quotes from uh, from Emily Kaplan's piece, and this is from Gensel's agent, Ben Hankinson. He says, this will get really heated down the stretch. Gensel's agent, Ben Hankinson, told me last week, it's going to get interesting. That's in reference to negotiations between Gensel uh, and the Penguins on a new contract extension. So you hear the agent say, this will get really heated. That definitely uh, is going ma- to raise your eyebrows. And then Kaplan adds, other teams I've talked to increasingly believe Gensel will be available. The interest will be massive, and the acquisition cost could be high. And the quotes from the agent 
really put it in perspective for me, Drancer, because, you know, we've brought up Gensel, and I've been looking at Gensel for a while now, and it's always kind of been if the Penguins fall out of the playoff race, right? Like, if the wheels come off, if they don't turn their season around, could Gensel be available? But you hear it put in those terms, and you hear, you know, the difficulty, or the, even the agent saying, like, look, this is going to be interesting, this could get pretty heated, and you start to wonder, well, does it does it matter? How much does it matter what the Penguins are doing in the standings? Could there be a scenario where Gensel is available kind of no matter what because of how hard it's going to be for them to sign him to a contract extension? Yeah, and, you know, you honestly wonder too, especially given that the Penguins find themselves at a crossroads, right, with a new mm -hmm. manager who came in and made some win-now moves, right, uh, brought in Eric Carlson, but, you know, got a seven-year deal, and it was very apparent that while the club was going to do their best to give this Crosby, Malkin, Latang axis, um, you know, one more kick mm -hmm. at, at, at the Stanley Cup can. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. The fact remains is that, you know, there there's a transition on the line. Like, Dubas wasn't just brought in. To, to give to be win now right mm -hmm. he was brought in to be win now but we understand that a transition is coming right I mean that's the structure of his deal that's the you know explicit <laughs> and subtextual circumstance that the penguins find themselves in is there a scenario where if they can't come to terms with Gensel and and Hankinson and octagon hockey they consider you know a potential Gensel deal from the perspective of, hey, we need to get younger. We can't yep. afford to lose a guy. You know, like if we view ourselves as a team that can make the playoffs but isn't in that group of teams with a realistic shot to win, can we really afford to lose the value that Gensel would bring in a trade by holding him beyond the deadline if we're not going to be able to sign him? Yeah. Right? I mean, one of the things that's, Cap the, that's sort yeah. of the interesting context here. Well, one of the things Kaplan mentions in the piece, right, is they're they're very aware of their the the age of the team and the paucity of picks they've had, right, and the paucity of prospects they have. And as you said, okay, it's one thing. Hey, if you're a no doubt about it Stanley Cup contender, right, you're top three in your conference, you feel really good about your team, then okay, hey, this guy's a UFA. It's not ideal, but we need him to go on a run. If you're kind of fringe playoff team and, you know, hey, some weeks you look really good, some weeks uh, your power play can't buy a shot on goal, let alone an actual goal, and you start to have these real concerns, well, then it becomes a much different proposition to hold not just a UFA, but a UFA who would, as Kaplan says, and, you know, you don't have to be uh, an insider to guess this, like he's going to command a really significant price if you do put him on the market. So, it's I, I, I think the the closer we get to the deadline, you know, the more fascinating this one is going to be. We'll talk to Rob Rossi about it as well at 1230, but that's the Pittsburgh side of things, right, and why they might actually be willing to shop Gensel even if they are in a playoff position and you kind of see the logic. You know, from the Canucks' perspective, I will say this. Gensel is slightly less interesting to me as a trade target now that the lotto line is together, right, because I would really be targeting that center on the second line. Having said that, I absolutely love, love Jake Gensel as a player. And I had to laugh because uh, I don't know if you saw this, but our colleague Jason Bruff put up a poll on social media this morning saying, would you trade Andre Kuzmenko, just this, Andre Kuzmenko and Niels Hoaglander for Jake Gensel? And a shocking number of no responses to that poll. And there were even people saying, I don't know, Jake Gensel, 5'11", 180, can he get it done in the playoffs? Guys, <laughs> guys, 
please, please go look at his hockey DB before you say yeah. that. 34 goals in 58 playoff games for Jake Gensel. Like, this guy, there is no questions whatsoever about how good he would be on this team. Is it the right fit? Is it, you know, the cost? All that. Okay, that's fair to debate. But as a player, no questions whatsoever about what Jake Gensel could do for the Canucks. No questions whatsoever. And, I mean, you know, you you have to look at Bruff's hypothetical proposal and just wonder if it was Penguins management mashing no, right? I mean, that's a that's <laughs> a think, quick conversation ender. Yeah, and I think right? Bruff I mean, was doing it – Bruff knew that, right? He wasn't saying this uh, yes, is a serious proposal, right? But it's like, guys, come on, this is Jake Gensel. Yes, of course you do that. What are we talking about here? Yeah, no, I mean, I was on Halford and Bruff and we were laughing about it. So, like, I'm really not taking a shot at our guy, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. you know – that's going to be probably the single best player who may shake loose ahead of the trade deadline. Yeah. Position independent, just like who's the best player, who's the most proven playoff performer, who's the top of the lineup piece that might move. Like, he's it. That's it. And, you know, you, do you really think you get him for a distressed asset and, and sort of a middle six forward mm-hmm. prospect with one more year on a good contract? Like, come on. that that That's not going to be in the top five offers they field for that player in the first hour if he becomes available yeah right so yeah I mean that would be a steal that would be a steal and you know Rick Dollywell was reporting the price could be the kind of classic uh trade deadline offer of you know player pick player first round pick and a top prospect so top yeah, that's prospect the deal. yeah top prospect I mean if it's you know top always does a lot of work there right what qualifies as a top prospect, you never know, but that wouldn't surprise me. Certainly, like that makes a ton of sense if you're going out to add a guy like Jake Gensel. So that's the big rumor today. Obviously, you know, intersects with the Penguins and the Canucks game tonight. And also, we've talked a lot about Jake Gensel uh, as a potential target. One other thing I did want to pass along from our guy Rick Dollywell. I know he mentioned that uh, still hearing Chris Tanev's name in connection with the Canucks, of course, Tanev pending UFA in Calgary. And the interesting thing about that, I mean, I love Chris Tanev as a player, but that would seem to suggest that you're making another move on the blue line, at least to me, right? Because they already have seven guys they trust, and they're rotating them in and out of the uh, on the blue line. If you bring in another guy like Chris Tanev, uh, at that point you've got a real logjam on the blue line, and I think there would have to be a corresponding move to open up some space there as well. But, you know, I'm always here for a potential Chris Tanev reunion with the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, that would be the trade to most improve – the already elite vibes yeah. around this team. If you're worried about disrupting the chemistry of a trade, there's no concerns there with Chris Tanev, right? No. Yeah. Um, no, that, that would be a lot of weight to add to the locker room, not to mention an absolute ace penalty killer, if that's still an area of the game that the club is concerned with, right? That's yep. that's really where Tanev can hu- have a huge impact on this roster. You know, uh, one area of continued weakness, even if the clubs perform better there uh, of late, you know, Tanev's an ace penalty killer. This club doesn't have an ace penalty killer. Um, that that would be a game changer for Vancouver four on five. That's a good point, especially with the you know Noah Juleson coming out of the lineup and how important he's been for this team on the penalty kill. If you get a guy who's a regular who's in there all the time, uh, that could be a big deal for the team. Uh, anything else in the in the rumor roundup or on to the lineup notes? No, let's move on. All right, lineup notes. You were there at uh, at Morning Skate today in Pittsburgh, so I'll let you set the scene a little bit about what to expect from the Canucks tonight against the Penguins. 
Thatcher Demko starts. Ian Cole gets back into the lineup with Noah Juleson drawing out. Um, asked Ian Cole about it afterwards once he was done hugging all his friends in the Pittsburgh me media. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was a very popular guy in the Canucks locker room today. Um, but no, he you know, was circumspect about it. Like, I do think the trust that he's got with Tockett, with Adam Foote, I think that looms large here. Obviously, no pro athlete as competitive as Cole is, even even at the age of 34, wants to miss a game. Yep. Like, they want to play every game, and fair enough. Um, but, you know, I think he's got an understanding of the big picture. Like, I think there's an, an awareness and an explicit awareness from what Cole told me that, you know, they've put themselves in a position where, yeah, they still want to win games here, but this is about the long-term. They can think long-term. They can think about making sure they peak in the playoffs, uh, about winning a Stanley Cup, and they are. And this is the clearest evidence of that yet. And, you know, Cole's bought in for that reason. So uh, he'll play tonight uh, against his former team, a team he won a cup with, and Noah Juleson will draw out, uh, at least based on line rushes. No changes up front. And all of these changes observed at Morning Skate were confirmed by Rick Tockett after the availability. So uh, we'll we'll see, you know, late injuries mm. stuff in the warm-up skate can always happen and scupper that. But that's where we're at, uh, you know, a couple hours before a puck drop. Yeah, and Cole will go uh, back in playing on the right side with Nikita Zadorov. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's... It's a, just another example of how winning early can help set you up so well for later on in the season, right? Because you've built this trust and this confidence now in the program, in what you're doing. You have that cushion uh, in the playoff race, and now you can afford to take a guy like Ian Cole out of the lineup for a game here or there. And who knows? Maybe it'll be Tyler Myers. Maybe it'll be Zadorov again at some point that you can kind of rotate in and out uh, and do some of that load management. And you're, you position yourself in the standings, and you've got that trust between the players and the coaching staff to make it happen. So that, again, will be a story to monitor down the stretch run here. Playoff forecast, not a lot going on relevant to the Canucks except for one game last night. The Golden Knights lose to the Avs 3 nothing. Uh, so the Canucks division chances improve all the way to 45% to win the Pacific Division per Dom's model, uh, also up to a 99% chance, all but a lock at this point, as we've known for a while here, to make the playoffs. Uh, the Golden Knights now projected to finish behind the Edmonton Oilers in the standings, by the way. So, again, it's kind of funny because you're like, hey, you really want to win that division? Your reward could be the defending Stanley Cup champs in the first round at this point with how the Pacific Division is shaken up. Which is suboptimal. It's not ideal. It is not ideal. It's not good. But look, no, that's what it is. Like, the it's Golden a, Knights it, are... It's a three-headed monster in terms of potential playoff opponents, really. Like, would you rather it be Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers? You know what I mean? <laughs> this is like a game, like one of those Saw games. <laughs> you know, like this is this is Coach Jigsaw. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> anyway. No, I mean, I honestly think when I look and think about the quality of every team in the league, I still think Vegas is the most complete team, to be totally honest with you. It's just that we haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if that matters. Like, I never expected to see it in the regular season. So it's sort of an interesting one. I mean, you know, that team ending up in the wild card spot and not ending up on the central side of the bracket, that's worst case scenario, not just for the Canucks, but for like everyone in the Pacific. For the rest of the Pacific Division, or too. 
Yeah. And doesn't that seem Sorry, like... Sorry, that's the best case scenario. Excuse me. No, the Golden Knights ending up is the worst case scenario for the Pacific. Ending well, up... you want... If they, if they end up in the wild card and switch to the central oh, side yeah. of the bracket, everyone's celebrating. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I don't think that's going to happen, right? Because that would involve, like, Nashville or, or Arizona or something catching them, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, You're right. Okay. So, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. No. It's a, it's a gauntlet, and that's an interesting factor to monitor here as we get into the stretch run. In terms of gambling odds, let's move on to that. Yeah. Um, not a ton of changes, not a ton of movement in the NHL futures market, but the Canucks are road dogs again. So another chance to wager, perhaps, that the Canucks are a new more imposing team with the first line <laughs> loaded up uh, plus 110 you can get them at plus 105 in some places but plus 110 is is roughly the average in terms of the money line total is six and a half with a little more steam on the over you can get plus money in some places betting the under six and a half so that's where the Canucks and Penguins sit Canucks road dogs for a third consecutive game opportunity knocking for those true believers who think that the Canucks have maybe hit a new gear, which, you know, no one would call me a true believer, but even I think that. All right, Drads, we're going to drop you a connection uh, causing us a little bit of difficulties here. We will reconnect, get you back on the other side of the commercial break, but just the note there about, you know, the Canucks still being plus money against the Penguins, you know, barely plus money first of all it's not as if they're massive underdogs and like look this is still their fourth game in six nights on the road right so I think the fact that they're as small underdogs as they are as Drance is alluding to there that's actually an extreme vote of confidence in the Canucks because four and six on the road against a pretty good team a team of Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson and Evgeny Malkin Jake Gensel etc etc that's a tough matchup. That's a really, really tough matchup for any team in the league. So to be, you know, technically underdogs, but kind of barely so, I think that says a lot about how the odds makers are viewing the Canucks right now. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you after what they've done in their last three games since the lotto line has been back together? Muskoka Mike texts in just on the playoff seeding conversation. Gotta win the West, boys. Crazy that it's realistic. At this point, yeah, winning the Western Conference, I mean, look, that's a, a that's a big-time achievement, especially when you were considering what the expectations were for this team coming into the season. But you look at the implications it could have for who your first-round playoff matchup is, the path in the playoffs going forward, that would be an absolutely massive deal. Now, as much as the Avs beating the Golden Knights helps the Canucks in the Pacific Division, of course – the Avs having a pretty good year as well, so they're still a contender to finish first in the West, and the Winnipeg Jets absolutely on fire right now. But hey, Canucks and the Jets, they'll play each other a few times before the end of the season. Those games could have conference seeding stakes, conference champion stakes. Would you believe that later on in the season when they meet? Rob Rossi covers the Penguins for The Athletic. He will join us next. We'll talk about Pengu the Pittsburgh season how Eric Carlson has fit on the team, Sidney Crosby's ongoing brilliance, and also what's going on with Jake Gensel, what to expect from the Penguins ahead of the deadline, all that and more with Rob Rossi coming up next year. Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650.